Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Janelle. And on today, I have with me Chris Gronkowski with Ice Shaker. Chris, thanks so much for being on, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. Like, uh, I've been a fan of watching your product and watching it grow and what you've done uh, in, in terms of developing Ice Shaker and building it. And I think our listeners will have a really good experience hearing from you and kind of who you are and what's driven you and all those kind of things. So let's tell us about Chris. Who is Chris? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess we'll break it down from the beginning, man. Uh, grew up in Buffalo, New York. I was in the middle of five boys. Uh, four of us went on to play in the NFL at some point. Um, my oldest brother was scared to play football. So we ended up playing baseball and um, got a scholarship to the University of Jacksonville and ended up getting drafted in the later rounds. I'm um, playing pro baseball for a while as well. So a uh, pretty unique story uh, from a sports perspective. Uh, of course, my brother is known as one of the best tight ends to ever play the position and will probably end up in the Hall of Fame here in a few years. Uh, so well known for that. But what most people didn't see about us is, um, you know, we, we are a family that does a lot of business as well. My dad's been in business for over 32 years selling fitness equipment. I actually started the company, uh, worked two jobs for six years when we were for kids, all while coaching our baseball and hockey teams, and um, is now one of the largest distributors of fitness equipment in the U.S. So uh, I got to grow up watching my dad build this business, take it from one store to over 15 retail stores and grow, a com- com- uh, grow out a complete a commercial division as well. Um, so I kind of, not even knowing it, got to kind of see uh, success at an early age. I got to work the warehouse. I got to deliver. I got to drive the trucks around on the weekends. And uh, carry the heavy end of the treadmills uh, in <laughs> the smaller inner city houses. But uh, man, it, it taught me hard work. It taught me the value of a dollar. And, um, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, it showed me a lot of lessons that I would learn later on in life on how to build a team and run a company. So super grateful for that. And also to have my dad as a resource, but um, yeah, I played, ended up playing uh, three years in the NFL myself, started three years as a fullback when it's my fourth season. Uh, got hurt, got released with an injury settlement, and um, you know it's time to find something new. Uh, luckily, I kind of fell into a business with my wife that she had started after my third season. Uh, three years, three different teams, three different cities. She decided that she was not going to go for another job interview. Uh, instead, she was going to find a way to work from home, and she did. And at that point, uh, she started an online business. We started taking off, and. I was in between contracts. I started leaning into it, started putting some of my NFL money into commercial grade laser engravers. 
And uh, the business exploded. Uh, it did really well. Pretty soon we were making more money with her business than my NFL career was making. And um, I did that for about five years until I realized that uh, that wasn't really what I thought I was meant to do in life. Uh, I had a friend call me, a former teammate, who reached out and said, Chris, what do you do now? I'm, you know, I'm done playing. You know, I'm kind of struggling to figure out what my next steps are. Uh, and when he asked me, I didn't really know what to tell him. I didn't want to tell him I was engraving uh, wedding gifts, <laughs> doing bridesmaid orders. And, um, you know, so at that point it was kind of like, Hey, this is awesome. This is doing really well. It's in a great spot. Uh, I don't need to do anything else, but I grew up in the sports and fitness and health, uh, you know, background and, and I want to find a way to get back into it. So I thought of this idea for a shaker bottle and, uh, the, the rest was kind of history from there. Jumped on it as a side hustle, got on shark tank and, um, ended up getting offers from all five sharks and it just took off. Uh, and I actually saw that episode. I thought it was great. Um, and there's, so from that perspective, there, there's a lot of things that we can pull from your background and your history to like work on what an entrepreneur would need to be looking at and what happened. Like for instance, the engraving site, right? That developed to this, which is the ice shaker that's engraved, laser engraved. And that's a really cool process to watch just FYI. Uh, if anybody ever wants to see that, like it's, that's pretty amazing just to watch in itself and, and engrave these cups, but you, you actually designed and created and built the cups with a manufacturer of some kind. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we had manufacturers that we were already working with uh, that we were bringing in product with my wife's company. So we used some of those connections we already had. We told them what we wanted. Uh, we had cat drawings made in the U S and then they sent them over to those factories and we kind of tweaked it to, to what they thought would work the best and, and sent us back drawings. And um, at that point, it was a couple of prototypes. They were sent in, testing out the product, and then uh, and then putting an order in. Okay. And the rest is history, right? Like how many how many cups a year are you guys moving at this point? Uh, so we sold, man, we sold over a million cups. Um, probably hit that mark two years ago. Uh, so probably close... And per year, I think we're close to 400,000 cups last year uh, that we that we sold. So it's been a it's been a good run so far. We're continuing to grow each and sure. every year as well. And it's going from you know not just cups uh, to anything from a jug um, down to what we call a campagna that will actually hold like an energy drink can, uh, Celsius stuff like that, uh, where you just slide it into it. It'll keep your your cans cold as well, uh, even onto duffel bags and all kinds of accessories. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely turning into way more than just a protein shaker bottle. Sure. Sure. Well, and I tell you, like, I love the protein shaker, but the, this is the flex cup. Is that what this is called? Yep. So yeah, we, uh, we call that a flex. It's more of just a, a coffee cup, really. When it comes right. down. Great for hot, great for cold smoothies, coffee. Yeah. Uh, it's great, man. And uh, it holds my water when I'm doing a podcast and I can drink out of it occasionally and keep it nice and fresh and all the great things that are there. So, Kudos, man. I think that's great. And it's interesting when you start thinking about bringing a product to market um, or starting a business of any kind, it's it's daunting to kind of go, okay, what is it that the market needs and what can I provide? So what, what was the idea? Was it Was it your background in sports and athleticism and working out that said, you know what the world needs is a better protein bottle? Like what, where did that come from? Yeah, it came from necessity. Uh, I was here in Texas. I was at the gym. I had a plastic shaker bottle with me. Uh, I actually had went home from work and I had an insulated, I had a Yeti at the time. 
I was using that at work and I was like, man, this is great. It keeps my drink cold all day. It's super hot outside. Uh, I then went home, grabbed a plastic shaker because there's nothing that can mix or blend my powders. Uh, brought that to the gym. By the time I got there, it was warm. I took a sip of it. It tasted awful. And I was like, man, this just makes no sense that there's this awesome technology to keep your drinks cold, but it's not in the form that could be easily blended or mixed or cleaned or filled. So I went home that day and it's kind of like every great idea that you have, you know, someone's already done it. Right. So I'm like, I'll just, just jump online and I'll find an insulated shaker bottle and uh, went home that day. And there was just nothing out there at the time. So that's when the idea hit me. It was like, Hey, this is a great idea that no one's done yet. It's probably, you know, like the simplest, most proven idea um, as well, but just, just hasn't been done yet. And I want to be the first to do it because I want it for myself. It's really what it came down to. Sure. I was super passionate about gym, sports, fitness, and I was using a shaker bottle every single day. So uh, for me, it was kind of a necessity for myself. And I figured if I wanted it, a lot of other people would want it as well. Well, absolutely. And, and the reality is, especially here, like I think this week it's been 115 heat index uh, for us here in DFW. And the reality is like, that's the worst smell you can ever have in your life is a, a shaker bottle that sat in the car a little too long and just fermented or whatever it is that happens to that. And so I love mine for that reason alone. Right. It, and most of mine, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going early uh, to ATF in the morning when I'm working out and kind of doing some stuff there. And then I'm, I'm done with it pretty quickly so I can get it rinsed out. But man, just the, the concept's beautiful, man. I love what you guys have done. Um, as far as I know, you're still the only game out there that's doing what you're doing in terms of a shaker bottle for protein uh, that's insulated and, and works the way it does. I think that's great. So let's talk a little bit about the fitness industry and let's talk about things you learned. Like what, what's the most valuable thing that you learned from your dad in regards to business? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't listen to my dad at the beginning. Um, he came in and he had a lot of valuable tips for me, especially early on, because truthfully, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, you know, you get on Shark Tank, things kind of just explode overnight. Uh, you know, it's this massive wave, this massive influx, and it's all coming to you. And you think you've kind of figured the game out. Right. Uh, and then that wave stops and you're like, well, um, you know, what do I do next? So, uh, went to Facebook ads and, you know, really started pumping those, but I was kind of, a you know, fully dependent on one stream. And that was you know, Facebook, something happened to it. I was done. Uh, so a couple of things, my dad came in and um, the biggest thing that he said right at the bat was you need to hire. Uh, I didn't hire enough people soon enough. And um, I didn't know what I was doing when I was hiring either. So he's trying to help me out on that front. Didn't do a, a great job of listening to him at all. And really just put it all on myself for the first three years, which uh, as you're growing and then having a family and all the craziness of life, if you put it all on yourself, you're going to stop yourself from growing to the potential that you could have. So I was trying to do everything still, even when I did bring in people, I was still pulling back their responsibilities and trying to do, do their responsibilities myself because I felt like I had to. Um, and really when it finally came down to it, COVID hit, it was 2020, um, I couldn't be at the warehouse. I was actually going to the warehouse in the mornings uh, around 4.30 a.m. and I was engraving bottles. Uh, and then I would do that until about eight or nine. And then I'd go home and I would actually work from nine to five um, and then eat dinner with the kids and kind of go back to work. So I was just loading myself up 
with anything and everything. And uh, COVID hit and I couldn't do it anymore. Like I physically couldn't go to the warehouse because of the rules of the mass and the six feet and all that kind of stuff. And um, I also then had my third kid during COVID and we had no babysitters. We couldn't do anything because no one was allowed to come to the house. Yeah. Uh, so the, the kids were, they couldn't go to school. We couldn't bring people over to watch them. So um, at that point, like I could not load my schedule up with, you know, 12 hours of work. Uh, you know, I had to make myself available. So um, at that point, I kind of figured out how to actually hire, how to build a team. Uh, my dad came in and said, you know, budget, forecast, projections, uh, you know, where are they at? You know, what do they look like? And I had nothing. Um, he told me that he had a consultant firm come in and the second he actually put down a budget, a forecast and, and projections on paper, uh, you know, they happened. And not only did they happen, he actually uh, significantly beat those projections and those those uh, those numbers for that year. So uh, he came in and he was actually able to share with me his sheets um, and how he was doing it. And I think that was absolutely huge. Uh, it was a huge game changer for us. And what it did for him was it 3X his business profit. And it did the same thing for us that year as well. And I, dude, I think that's key, right? Like there's been a theme in regard to some of that part of a conversation in regards to the people on the podcast, which is figure out what you're really shooting for. Because if you don't know what it is you're trying to accomplish, you're likely to get there without knowing what it is, right? So it, the reality is if I have a plan and I'm shooting for a plan, then I can hit that target. But if I don't know what I'm trying to get to, well, then I'm already there, right? So uh, I think that's beautiful. And, and kudos to your dad for going, hey, man, we got to do this stuff. And I think the way you're, I mean, I know how you're wired, right? I'm, we've worked out a couple of times together and I know you'll bury yourself just to try to make sure you beat whoever's around you. I know how that goes. And I think okay. at some level, business planning plays into that, right? So now you've got this target and you go, okay, I'm going to do a hundred thousand cups this year. And you're like, that's my target. And you're like, I'll be damned if I'm going to do a hundred, I'm going to 150,000 this year instead. Cause you're trying to beat what it was you set out to accomplish. And I think that's important. But when you didn't have a plan before, you didn't really know what you were, how hard do I have to push? What do I have to get to? That sort of thing. So it's great, man. I love hearing that. Um, I also love hearing that you've staffed up to take responsibilities off of your plate. And the reality for, I've done the same thing. I, I've mentioned my father a couple of times in other podcasts doing the same thing. And you have to be in a position where you're willing to let go of some of those because you can't grow if you have to do everything. You just can't. You can't be all things to all people. I, this is the same conversation I had with David. When David was on the podcast, Adaptive Training Foundation can't grow if David has to be the one training, programming, fundraising. Like It's just the reality of who we are. But as entrepreneurs, we want it to be perfect. And we want to do it well. And there's that struggle of, if I don't do it, is it going to be done correctly? And, and that's where you landed at some point, right? Oh, absolutely. And you keep landing back there too, is kind of what I've, I've learned as well as, as you grow, you need to keep bringing in more and more people, but instead you're stacking on yourself, you're stacking on yourself, you're stacking on yourself. And then you have to finally pause again and say, Hey, you know, I hired this position, you know, six months ago, but I need another position here as well. And so you kind of consistently are fighting that same battle yeah, over, sure. over and over. And, um, that's where you just have to put a plan, uh, you know, build out an org chart, uh, which I did. And, and I never really believed in you know, more than a year, but I actually sat down and I put a five-year org chart down 
you know, here's where I, I think I should be at the end of this year. This is where I think I should be at the end of five years. Uh, you know, when I think my company is kind of at a really good spot, you know, we should have 50 employees. Right now we have 17. Right. Uh, it's an actual plan there now at this point of, hey, this is the next person. When we get to this level, this is the person that we're going to need. Uh, so having that plan in place is, is absolutely huge because it makes you do it. And it makes sure. you fall. It makes you reevaluate if you don't hit the plan. Like maybe, you know, maybe I wasn't you know, perfectly accurate on the, the revenue we had to hit before we brought on the next person. But now I can at least reevaluate it and say, hey, this person should be here. They're not, but they're not here because of this reason. And I got to hit this next level. So sure. uh, just having that actual plan makes it happen. Whereas when you don't, you just keep doing what you're doing and you kind of right. keep stacking it on yourself. Dude, I know that feeling full well, right? And you're just kind of, cowboy in it and trying to figure out what it is that that is going to help you be successful. And the reality is like what is successful is follow that plan that you put together as best as you can try to execute on that. And I think that's great. Um, what's uh, that, like, there's questions I kind of have in mind when I ask that. And one of them is, you know, what's a mistake that people make in business that's hard to fix. And maybe that's it. Maybe what we're just talking about is that mistake, but is there something else where you go, yeah, this was, this was a pain. This was hard to navigate, hard to fix. I mean, by far, our biggest two um, are the two that we hit on. You know, having that plan, that budget, the forecast, I think that's absolutely massive. Hiring, by far, again, it has been so hard. Um, it, I mean, it's it's difficult because you train, you put the time, you put the effort in, uh, you find someone that you think is is great, and then, you know, after a month, they're not great. And then it's, hey, let's start over again, get someone else in let's do this again for a month. And you know, you're just kind of, when you're training, you're doing double, triple the amount of work. You're trying to, to teach someone how to do what you're already doing and you can do so much faster than them. So uh, it's a challenge. Those two are, are by far the hardest, but the mistake is not doing it and not doing it right. Hey buddy, how are you? What's this guy's name? This is my, my, my five-year-old Ledger. Ledger. Hey Ledger, you want to be on the podcast with us, bud? Where you at? He's hiding. <laughs> He's hiding away from us. So is there a process now for hiring uh, people? Because what I've experienced is like, you're going to go through those where you, like it seemingly at one point, it seemed like I had to hire 10 people to get a good one. And so then we started making some changes and trying to figure out a way to create a process for understanding who was right for our culture first to, to be a part of our organization, a part of our team, and then, you know, putting them in, in a position. So what, what are you doing now in regards to, Hiring, because for you, hiring is important. So what processes are you following and what plan do you have in place to try to get the best people? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's still a challenge for us. Um, we do have them go through multiple steps. Uh, so we are having multiple people interview uh, to make sure that we're all kind of getting that same vibe. A lot of it in kind of how I break it down is, is this someone that you want to work with every single day as well? Uh, you know, they might be qualified. They might be actually really good at what they do, but... If my team currently just does not get a good vibe from them, doesn't feel like they can work with them each and every day and thinks there'll be a problem, we just don't bring that person in anymore at this point. It's just at that point, it's, hey, hey, they're out of the picture. Um, a lot of it, too, I think, is really setting the expectation before they even get there on what they're going to be doing and how much work they're going to be doing. I think we did a really – I know I did a really poor job of um, really training and also setting the expectations early on. So even on the interview, um, I like to let people know exactly what we expect. You know, this is what we want out of this position. This is how we want it done. Do you have any issues with this? 
Are you good with traveling? Are you good with this amount of hours? Are you good with coming in on the weekends if you have to? Are you good with filling in uh, and unloading a truck? Say, for instance, you know, we unloaded a truck today. Um, I went in myself. I, I always do. I kind of like to work out. And I just like to shoot kind of some content when it comes in too. But uh, with that, sometimes, you know, some of the team isn't there or we have a lot of big orders coming into so the warehouse team just doesn't have the time to unload a truck when it comes in and we have two hours to unload it or we start getting charged. So um, sometimes our sales team has to come in. So that's a conversation that I like to have up front uh, with them to make sure they're a team player, make sure they're willing to unload a truck if they have to on a day where, uh, you know, we're, we're really busy and just can't handle it. So setting the expectations super early, I think has significantly helped as well. And then the big thing that, I mean, this is by far the biggest thing that I've done uh, that's completely changed the culture for us, but I try to find a way to incentivize every single position in the company as a team. Um, My dad taught me, but say the warehouse team, you know, you have, you have customer service in there. Um, You have a graphic designers doing graphics for the customization. You have the team that's actually engraving. You have the, the warehouse team that's actually shipping out the packaging or the packages and uh, printing the labels and they're putting, you know, and organizing the warehouse. So it's tough, man. Like it's a grind for sure. And some people would make mistakes. Some people wouldn't care and other people really care and really try hard and do a great job. So I found a way to incentivize everyone by the number of pieces going out the door and putting a dollar value on it. Whereas, you know, everyone that's associated with that gets a piece of that pie. And uh, with that, if there are mistakes before, when there were mistakes, it was hey, sorry, um, you know, I messed up. Uh, with the new program and our new way to incentivize as a team, when there is an issue, say someone messes up a hundred bottles, puts the wrong engraving on it, um, you know, it'd be a, a strike before. Now it actually comes out of the pot. Uh, so that hundred bottles is going to come out of the monthly pot. If that completely wipes out the whole pot, then you know, everyone that month does not get that bonus. Uh, so what it started doing was it started holding everyone accountable within their own groups and um, really took that kind of babysitting aspect out of it or, you know, that strike system. Sure. Out. sure. And if someone continuously messed up, it came to the point where they actually would leave the company themselves. Sure. Not, you know, it's not because the other employees are sitting there saying, Hey, you know, what are you doing? You know, right. you're like that. It was, you know, they, they felt themselves, like they were letting everyone else down and just kind of would feel that pressure themselves. And, and they would find a, a reason or excuse to get a new job somewhere else. So it all kind of works out. So yeah, uh, I love that. That's one of my favorite things I've done because I've never been a guy that likes to sit there and just discipline, discipline, discipline. Uh, I've always wanted to run it where, Hey, uh, you want to be here. You want to do a good job. You want to help out the company. This is a team vibe, kind of like a locker room. You know, we're all in here to win the game. You know, we're all in here for the same reason. Um, and that's the vibe that I wanted. And when people aren't there for that same reason, it, it really rips it apart really quickly. So uh, putting a way to incentivize everyone as a team has is, is kind of completely changed that culture and it's weeded out everyone that was just there just to be there. Yeah, that's great, man. So recently I, I recorded one with a guy out of California restoration company, and he does a similar thing where he's incentivizing the entire team based off of, the production. Um, and so it's, if, if we're successful, everybody shares in that success, whatever level of success that becomes, you get a piece of that success. If we have failures, then it takes away from what's happening. And I like that idea. I've never implemented anything that way. It's always been individual commission successes, bonuses based off of your activities. 
But what I really like about what you're doing there and what, what Aaron was talking about when he was doing it is it does incentivize your entire team to support the team rather than like there's the, the way it currently have it structured at Mr. Restore, there's incentive at some level to sabotage somebody else or not necessarily incentive, but there's no reason to help them because you're not benefited by the fact that you go to help them where if everybody is, is bonused and, and commissioned based off of the success of the year, the month, the, the project, whatever the case may be, then I think it's beautiful, man. I love that idea. What led you to doing it that way? Like what you got some spectacular results from it as a result, but why did, why did you say, Hey, this is what we need to do? Like what, what was the thought process? Yeah, for sure. Um, reach out to my dad. He's been in business for over 30 years. A lot of his people have been there the whole time uh, or a long portion of it over 20 years. And it's like, dad, I mean, these jobs aren't, they're not easy. I mean, no job is, you know, it's eventually after time, it wears you down and said, how do you, how do you keep people motivated? And that was what he said. He said, Hey, I found ways to incentivize them as a team and everyone loves knowing how to make a little bit more money or, or maybe it's a lot more. And there's some years where it is a lot more. Um, and, and so that was his response. So then it was kind of figuring out how to do that with every position. And even with sales, um, you know, my guys were the same way as what you're saying. You know, they were all commissioned individually and um, they still are, but then they have a team goal at the end of it. And so if they hit certain numbers, they actually then get an extra bonus um, on top of it as a team. So as long as everyone on the team hits a certain level, uh, they all then opt into it and they get a percentage total. So say one guy hits like a massive order, right? And he absolutely crushes it. That will actually help the other guys too. Because they'll they'll go into a pot together. And right now we have four guys, all four of them would split the total um, of it. So if one guy just went off and just absolutely got this massive order, uh, the rest of the team would actually benefit from it as well. So that way everyone cheers on each other. Um, before it was kind of like someone would get a big order and, uh, they'd be like, man, that's messed up. Like, you know, that's cause he's in this territory and I should have that territory kind of thing. Uh, whereas now it's like, Hey, this dude just hit a big order. Like I'm getting a nice bonus from it as well. This is awesome. Like, yeah. he, and now I can support him. If he needs something, I'm going to help him. Absolutely. Like, yeah. hey, and then it's instead of them also saying, like getting mad, like now it's, hey, man, how did you do that? You know, what did you do to get that big order? Whereas before it was kind of like, oh, man, like that was just so lucky. And he just got that handed to him. It was his territory or this this type of company. And he got you know, lucky. Now it's, hey, man, teach me how you did that. How do I do that? How do I figure out how to break into that, too? And it's been really cool to see because everyone just starts working as a team all of a sudden when there's a team goal involved. Yeah. I think that's great, man. And like, as a note, guys, like Ice Shaker, I mean, this one's obviously engraved with job docs. I got one behind me with my Mr. Restore logo on it. Uh, And we give these things out as swag, right? And I'm clearly not one of your big customers because I can't afford to order massive orders of these things. But as as restoration companies, um, as whatever you're going to do, being able to hand out something like this, like client when you're returning them home, like the ice shaker, I'm telling you, like we give these things out and I get more comments and compliments on, dude, that's the best thing I've ever had from the ice shaker cup than anything else that we've ever done for anybody. And they love these things and this thing will stay around forever. So put your logo on it. It'll have the ice shaker logo on it too, with also laser engraved down here. It's hard for me to run the camera backwards, Chris, <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
it'll have your logo on it. It'll be branded. It'll have their logo on it. And your clients are going to absolutely love Ice Shaker. Now, as a note, other branded things are great too. Like you can do great, great branded things, but I'm telling you, part of the reason I asked Chris to be on is because I get a ton of comments about these cups in particular and the success and how great it is and how it keeps everything. It's got a good feel to it. This is one of the old ones, Chris. So this is now rubber bottom on the new cups. So when you set it down, it doesn't, it doesn't bang like this bangs, but I, the, the new ones are great too. And we just got a pretty decent order of those uh, recently. We've done a new round of Mr. Store and a new round of job docs. And man, we are, I'm a huge fan on that end. So as a note, everybody, um, you can certainly go out and get your own ice shakers set up with your branding on it. And they're great to work with. They've got a great team. So help their salespeople have success and help their uh, salespeople team, you know, get more success. Chris, talk to me about maybe this is your upbringing. Um, Talk to me about the driving force behind success for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a household with four brothers, so every day was a competition. And, um, that led us to be great in sports. Um, my parents did a great job of also really teaching us the value of a dollar. Uh, so I think that helped a lot as well. You know, we had jobs. We were doing a paper route when I was, I think, eight years old at that time. My older brother was 12 uh, when he started it, but we had that for six years. And it was kind of just paper hey, route in Buffalo. Hey, hey, there was some snowstorm. Uh, people were still waiting at the door, even though there was four or five feet of snow. And we were still delivering, too. So uh, those were good times. My dad would drive the truck and uh, we would just take one pe- one paper to each house at a time and get back to the truck. But yeah, I think I think that really helped us. Uh, my mom was all about schoolwork and making sure we actually did our homework before we played sports, which uh, I think was was very valuable as well. Uh, so the, the upbringing was was huge. And then, um, you know, for me, just being a sports guy and being a part of the team that's kind of how the business feels at this point. So uh, people ask me what gets me up every morning, what drives me. And for me, it's, it's, I got to support the team. I got to be there. I got to make sure we're winning as a team. So uh, if I'm not there doing my job, no one else can win. And so that's what gets me up. That's what gets me excited. And I love seeing them win. Yeah. I I love seeing my guys whipping a brand new car, even though my truck's uh, 10 years old, you know, they're, they're all whipping better cars than me, but that's what gets me excited, man. That's awesome. That's that's sure. the goal. They all are able to afford what they want. Uh, they're all able to get new houses, new cars, and, and live the lifestyle they want because of the brand that we built together. That's beautiful, man. And you guys are, as an organization, I you guys are a giving organization. You're charitable. You do things for others. Like, for instance, you and I stuffed a bunch of um, ice shakers full of coffee pods from Starbucks to ship off, you know, with a military program through Starbucks and and you guys supporting it at ATF. And you guys do a lot of that sort of thing. So talk about the culture of community support and, and benefit there. Yeah, for sure. I think it was going back to kind of the NFL career. Um, I didn't have anyone, my grandpa served, but I didn't have anyone directly in my family that, uh, you know, that I saw actively serving for the military uh, but with that, in college, we did go and stay on a, a base. Uh, it was Fort Huachuca in, in Arizona. And being there and seeing the lifestyle of our troops was very similar to being a football player. You know, you're, you're up early. It's a physical grind. It's a mental grind. Uh, it's all about teamwork. And it's just kind of stuck with me. And then uh, you know, I did a lot of stuff when I was in the NFL, when I could, with different events with military as well. And uh, just just realize that these guys and girls are exactly the same 
they're just putting it all on the line and they're getting paid a lot less, um, you know, than, a, than an athlete is. So I uh, really bonded with them. And then when the product, you know, when we launched it, we had a lot of requests from military. And when that happened, um, I didn't want to turn anyone down. So I always shipped it out to military. Um, but what ended up happening was once we shipped some out, everyone would see them and everyone would start requesting them. And it got really out of control um, at that point. And I still didn't want to say no. So we started building out programs where it was a buy one, give one uh, to help support it. Uh, so we were doing military themed engravings on bottles. If anyone bought one, we would then donate uh, one to active military. And that's where we were able to get to thousands of bottles and, and donate um, them to the ATF or through to ATF at that event. Uh, we continue to do that. And then uh, after a while, we lost our partner that was shipping everything overseas for us. And uh, it becomes a challenge, actually, to kind of vet that out in a lot of time, because uh, there was times where people were saying, hey, you know, you ship this package out and they're just reselling them or, you know, they're they're not actually doing what they said they're going to do with the product. So you got to do a better job of vetting it. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to do that. So yeah, but, yeah, sure. We kind of pivoted and um, it's we don't do the buy one, give one program anymore. Uh, but instead, we we choose a couple of different foundations uh, to support and we give back. 1% of our sales uh, to these foundations. So if you go onto our community um, initiatives tab on our website, you'll actually see the three foundations that we're currently donating or allowing our customers to pick which ones we want to donate 1% of the sales back to. So it's completely funded by us. When the customer purchases, they have the option to pick. Some of them don't pick, which I still don't know why. I think they, yeah, like- they could somehow them, but... Yeah. So what was interesting is when I did my last order, I was able to, you know, after the order came through, I was able to actually pick which one I wanted to donate to. And clearly for me, I picked Adaptive Training Foundation um, as the donation that I wanted mine to go to. And man, I appreciate you guys doing that. And I even sent a screenshot to them showing that it was um, that donation is what took place. And I thought it was pretty great. So anyway, it's close to time for you to be able to jump off and get onto your other stuff. And I appreciate you being here. Is there anything else that you would look at and go, Hey, this is something that entrepreneurs need to know. One last little bit on something I haven't asked a question about, you know, overcoming a pain, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, when people ask if they should do it or should not do it, um, I always tell them right from the beginning, how I started was I started small. I started as a side hustle. And I mean, this is really with both businesses, my wife business as well. And, um, you know, it was a side hustle that started on the side and, we're super passionate about what we're doing and we just kept doing it and doing it and doing it until we found a way to make it successful enough to support us um, on a full-time salary. So um, Ice Shaker was in my house, in the upstairs of my house. Uh, I was shipping out packages for six months uh, before I got onto Shark Tank, before I had a building, before I had employees. And um, once I got on Shark Tank, of course, it could then support myself and my family. Uh, and that's when I went all in at that point. So I always tell people, find what you're super, super passionate about, find a way to actually uh, you know, make revenue from it, and then start small, start as a side hustle. And once you can prove it successful, at that point, go all in and, and, and really push it to the limit at that point. So that's always my advice to someone that's looking to start something new. Sure. You got to have that drive, right? And because it gets hard at times and it gets daunting to be like, okay, I've been doing this for six months from my house. And is this going to grow? Am I going to be doing this forever? Right. It gets, it gets difficult to navigate. So you got to, you got to buy in at some point. 
you got, you have to, and it, the story I tell is, you know, I, I started from a house, I bought 10,000 bottles to start with. Uh, the first order, half the lids were bad. Uh, the pop top actually that we never had issues with ever and still haven't since this point, but it wouldn't it would actually snap closed. But when you held it upside down, it just all just poured right out. And there was no way to actually tell which lid was good or bad. Uh, so I had to change out all 10,000 lids uh, by hand. They sent out new lids and just boxes and boxes of lids. And I was just throwing boxes out every day. But I came home every day and just sat upstairs, just twisting off lids, twisting on new lids. And it took months. I mean, it took probably four or five months uh, of me doing this almost every day uh, before I got through it. And at that point, I didn't need the money. It, it wasn't like you know, I was doing this to to make a living. I was actually doing it because I love doing it. I, and it was kind of a side hustle and I just wanted to be a part of the, the fitness and sports industry. So uh, if I wasn't so passionate about it, the idea would have been dead. Uh, yeah, sure. right? And that wasn't the case. I mean, loved what I was doing, was passionate about it. There's That's just one very small, I guess, bump uh, at this sure. point that we hit. Uh, and there's so many more that you're going to run into. And if you don't love what you're doing, you're going to give up on it. So if you're just trying to chase money, it's, it's not going to happen. And did I love that comment? Because uh, the reality is you long enough. The yeah. Passion. It, it, and I love it. Right. Because the reality is it's when things get tough, it's easy to step away from it. If you're having a problem uh, in what you're trying to develop. And so being able to be passionate about it is significant because that's, what's going to keep you moving forward when you have to move forward. And I love that, man. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the time today. I know you got to get off so you can jump on to something else. Uh, and I want to be mindful of all that. But man, I, I really appreciate you being on. Guys, you can, it's iceshaker.com, right? Where they can find you guys and order order swag. And we'll make sure that there's a link uh, on the podcast site so that you can be able to, you know, contact Chris through iceshaker.com and make your order and get it engraved and have it fancy and ready to hand out a swag. Chris, we appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a Business Aspirin, pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.